Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, August 8th, and I'm joined from our hometown, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? I'm good. I'm missing my friend next door, but back home for a week on vacation. I'm missing him by a day, it feels like, and uh, yeah. nothing too, too exciting so far. Got out to see the dentist today and oh, yeah. had about two and a half years of tartar cleaned off my teeth and can't stop running, running my tongue. See, look what it's doing to my pronunciation all over. I haven't been to the dentist in like six years. Oh, Ma- Owen. <laughs> <laughs> You're normally so good about these things. I'm kind of shocked to hear that. Um, do you have a retain? You have like a wire retainer permanently too. Yeah, on my bottom teeth. Ooh, yeah that that was where the majority of the tartar buildup was for me, just across that retainer. Yeah, I don't know if you ever wait. do like an ah and look at it in the mirror, but it's uh, yeah. The site. I think I have an appointment booked late in September, so that'll be that'll be good. That'll be important. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of shocked. That's so off brand for you, I feel like. Same with the doctor. Haven't been since school started. Oh, yeah. I haven't been for a physical since high school either. Yeah. Um, that's, that's classic 20s. You just, you're invincible right now at our. Yeah. Age. Well, I've had these medical things pop up. Like I had this weird not soreness but like these phantom sensations on the spot in my back where like when I had chicken pox as a kid that was like where the worst chicken pox was and then it after that one it turned into this thing that I had scalpeled off in surgery because the doctors didn't like the look of it and then yeah it was almost like these kind of like icy sensations or like someone was touching them was confusing the hell out of me kind of scary and then those just went away I had these like spots spreading all over my skin over the summer and after like weeks on google of like fruitless searching I searched the same symptoms on reddit see other people posting it and find out it's a skin fungus that spreads in uh, subtropical human climates so that's where Montreal has gotten in terms of heat waves in these last few years and uh yeah it it was just like a kind of like yeast cream or an ingredient in like yeast infection creams made that one go away um but so much of the medical shit you could just either goes away on its own or like you can eventually figure out with Dr. Google that um it's hard to get yourself out to the doctor's office wow (laughs) max's medical history on the pod (laughs) i was pretty proud of myself on that last one because like i spent weeks googling it and like solving that it felt like a little housey yeah i'm for the uh kevin durant uh talk and stay for the yeast infection cream (laughs) (laughs) don't worry there's plenty of kd slander coming up oh i love it i love it i was uh had a virtual doctor appointment just so I could get a referral for a radiology clinic um and so we'll be heading to that hopefully at some point this week but we don't really need to dive into too much more 
me- medical term. Oh, just to look at my foot. I might have a stress fracture in my foot. It's not okay. Okay. Nothing. Nothing too crazy. Yeah. Everyone. Everyone relax. Everyone relax. I know y'all care. Nothing. Nothing crazy going on in my life. No, sir. Uh, yeah. On that wonderful note, going through all of our medical conditions, <laughs> we can we can talk a little sports. This will be the last podcast for a couple of weeks as we take our end of August vacation uh, before things start to ramp up again in September. Uh, so letting everyone know well in advance to enjoy this one and maybe loop it a couple times over the next couple of weeks if you miss the sound of our voices. Uh, and then we will be back in the fall can't believe it's almost the fall already uh to wow. talk more sports gonna have to put a spin on this stuff some uh multiple levels of impressions on our takes today so you go back and hear something new each time there you go i like it well we can we can do our best uh we've got plenty to talk about um so hopefully we can find some stuff in there that's applicable for the next month or so uh we're gonna talk hockey some basketball tennis soccer baseball it's all in there It's all in there and uh, lots of good stuff to get to, but we will start on the ice. The last place you'd think to start in the sweltering August weather. Uh, We had a 40 degree day here yesterday uh, with the humidity. And I'm sure you've had your, your couple of 40 degree days as well in Montreal. I have no air conditioning. Uh, Just been losing my entire body weight and sweat every night. Uh, But I thought, we're not talking medical conditions right now, so we'll move <laughs> past that, uh, and we'll we'll jump into hockey here, where half of my body weight and sweat was lost from the heat, and the other half was from the nightmares uh, of the Boston Bruins, and Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci are back again <laughs> to hurt us once more as Leafs fans, and of course they did so in the most horrifying way possible. A team friendly deal. Right. Ever heard of it, Leafs fans? Ever heard of it? Uh, we got What's one on that? Giordano. We got one oh, on Giordano. Yeah. We did. We did. And Dermot gave us, but it's not the equivalent as your Selkie winning number one center uh, and your Leaf killer uh, third line winger who just always seems to score the most clutch goal. So the Bruins get both of those players on a combined 3.5 million for next year. Um, which I think is as much as Kerfoot makes. So that's great. And uh, I can't wait to just be in pain all over again. Did Patrice win the Selkie this year? He's done it so many times. I'm kind of losing track. I Um, would be able to look it up really quickly while you continue. I I mean, either way, the Boston Bruins have scored themselves the cheapest Selkie finalist on the market. Yeah, there we go. Um, It's not the most valued award out there for compared to the rest of the hardware but i i can't think of any other trophy uh, where you can come close to getting a player uh, anywhere near that amount after they win it that is absolutely absurd uh the bruins they are in decline but um i don't know a skinny starving camel is still bigger than a horse and these players in their old age still have it in them probably just to play really really well against our boys in blue and white um at the same time maybe just maybe at the tail end of their careers they're missing enough juice 
for us to kick their ass in the playoffs. And wouldn't that be cathartic? Would you got to get there though? Um, yeah, we'd have to finish first. And like, I don't think this Bruins team has like a top two or like second, third placement in them, probably a wild card team. So we'd have, oh, if we could finish first, play them as the wild card team and break that first round juju. Oh, well, I mean, it's, that's... it's a bit early to start believing again. Sorry. Yeah, it's 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 a wonderful vision in our heads, but we'll we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. Looking back now, if we're talking about adding layers to our our takes and our conversation here. If you look back or look forward in a couple of months, who knows? Uh, one of them could get hurt, or one of them could go on an absolute tear and completely change the trajectory of their team. Uh, the deals signal that they're not going to be key core pieces of this Bruins team. And so I'm fascinated to see if Bergeron will stay with Martian and Pasternak on that top line. It makes, it makes sense for that to happen. Uh, but you do look to see if they're maybe in on a cadre or, or another potential large free agent left out there in the pond because of the savings they're getting from these two guys taking the team friendly deals. Nazem, you can't do that to us. Any other team in the league, <laughs> like sign with the Lightning first. I don't care. Just not the Bruins. They they hurt you as much as they hurt us. Come on, you can't do that to us, right? Well, right. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. It it's possible, and with the savings, the Bruins could get into that eight to nine million dollar range that Naz is probably asking for. Uh, they wouldn't be able to get up into the double digits, though, which is where we did see another signing occur uh, with the Calgary Flames extending Jonathan Huberto uh, for the maximum eight years at $10.5 million. So Kachuk at eight by 9.5, Huberto at eight by 10.5. You probably like to have Huberto for the first three years of that contract. And then after that, you're going to love the Kachuk deal um, for the years after that. And Calgary locking up the prize act target that they get in their Kachuk trade that really helped swing around the momentum of their offseason. And uh, he's a player who was in the heart conversation and he's got to make that kind of money. And I mean, when you lose 9.5 and what was it, 10 for Johnny Gaudreau, uh, you've got some cap space to spend on a Huberto. And I think he's going to get them some great production this year uh, on a line with Lynn Holman and Monaghan. Yeah. I wonder if the GMs just have no choice in the matter. And after all they went through and yeah. part of negotiating this with Huberto was guaranteeing the max extension because the foresight is you, we don't need to wait till we're looking in the rear view mirror or 2020 vision to know what, the situation on this deal is going to be five, six years. Uh, I think about John Tavares for our Leafs. It's kind of a similar-ish thing where we're just starting to hit that window where we regret it a little now. Uh, and yeah, for, as you said, it doesn't hurt the win now window, but uh, as a team that hopes to continue building, it's, I don't know. I, I wonder if they try and move it right before uh, that, like win now, or he's still adding the maximum value to the contract. Um, but 
I, I just looked it up and he was making 4.2 million, I think, before this is oh, wow. what I saw. So he needed he needed to get paid. And yeah. Uh, yeah, when when you put out the production he's put out in the last couple of years, that's the situation. And hey, um, getting to that KD slander bit early, you know he's gonna show up and play out the rest of the term of this contract. So yeah. Yep, and he has a style of play that is conducive for a longer career. Uh, doesn't take a ton of contact. Is really great skater and able to navigate out of tight places and uh, play on the perimeter really effectively. Um, and if there's something we've learned in the last couple of years about the NHL and NBA, even if they there's still always going to be bad contracts. But what we've found is that teams are a lot have become a lot better at getting off those contracts, either by LTIR or by packaging assets to find a trade partner in need of reaching the salary floor. Um, so less concerning to give a guy eight years because you know you will have some flexibility to get off of it if it ends up as the worst case scenario. Yeah, and you're always paying in part for the value um, that the player brings like this brings to the locker room and improves on the team the intangibles so kind of unavoidable and, and a canada uh, tax on top you got to pay that little bit extra if you're a team yeah. in canada yeah all right one last signing get through here mason appleton signing for three years for a total of 6.25 he avoids arbitration with the jets that's a big one for winnipeg to get off of their to-do list uh I don't think Winnipeg is – they're going to be in the playoff hunt because of Connor Hellebuck, but I just don't know if uh, if their team is going to have that trajectory that they seem to have had two, three years ago. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, I guess, is going to play after saying he wanted out and wanted to get traded to Montreal, which is something he had no control over. Uh, and in hockey, trade demands are not as uh, met – they're not met with as much, I guess, they're not received as well uh, amongst management and amongst fans. And so, so let me see if I can help you. Mindset. Yeah. Yeah. But. And so Winnipeg in a tough spot here. They do get Appleton done, but I could see Appleton being a guy that gets moved for some assets at the deadline if Winnipeg tries to go uh, towards Connor Bedard as opposed to an eight seed in the playoffs. Would you be interested in seeing something like a six-year cap on deals? Uh, I think there's... Four is too short. I mean, the reason why... Yeah, the reason why you do it is to protect dumb GMs. So it... it, Well, we'll look at this Huberto situation. Like we just went through that we don't think the GM is dumb. We just think his hands are tied in the matter. Yes, but eight years is more salvageable at Huberto's career than like 17 years for Ilya Kovalchuk and 13 yeah. years for Ryan Suter. Um, like we've seen successful deals. Crosby and Ovechkin did what mm-hmm. 12, 13 year deals. And those worked out. Uh, I think eight's probably a little long, but at the same time, hockey, even more so than the NBA. Cause in the NBA, you can do four years, but you can make twice as much on it as a middle player than an entire NHL like max salary. So mm-hmm. little bit easier to have a shorter deal. The term there for a lot of the players is in hockey. The the players are less in the spotlight 
less trying to jump from team to team. There's a little bit more, at least not loyalty, but um, comfort is important and they want to be staying in the same place and, and growing a routine and staying out of the spotlight. So there is more value, I think, in the sport of hockey of having that longer maximum term guarantee because it just means the players have that extra blanket of, oh, uh, I can ride this out here in the same city as long as I produce uh, for a much longer time and really set down roots rather than being worried about where they're going to go every two, three seasons. Yeah, I guess it it takes a little away from the top players' bargaining power, but adds a lot of security to the middle to lower tier of players. Yeah. You just look at like, a, a was it Colton Sessions, a Nick Paul, guys who got seven-year deals to be bottom six players. Those are rare, but yeah. it's still a possibility. That reward is there for them if they yeah. can earn it. Exactly, yeah. So I don't mind it in hockey. I think basketball, you could even probably go. You can do the five-year Supermax for rookies, which I think is a good length. Um, I think you could probably go one year down for hockey and one year up for basketball. I think your sweet spot is in the five to six range for those sports. All right. We'll uh, circle back to this in a couple of headlines, but a couple other basketball spots first. Yeah, uh, devastating news. Paige Beckers, uh, everyone's favorite up-and-coming female basketball store star, uh, tears her ACL. She's out for the year with UConn, but we'll look forward to seeing her back and better than ever in her junior season uh, next year. I didn't hear too much about her as a sophomore as opposed to a freshman. Was it just the same? Oh, this is her sophomore year coming up. Um, maybe I'm just messing up the U.S. term. Did she take a year off? Is it freshman one, sophomore two, junior yeah. three, senior four? Yeah, I, I thought she just finished her second year and would be heading into her third. I believe she's starting her second. This is okay. good podcasting. This is good. <laughs> no, because I remember hearing all about her like a good year and a half ago. Well, she in high school, she was huge. So that okay. could have been it. Maybe yeah. that's where, it, but like, I, I remembered hearing her with UConn. So maybe it was just the fact that she was locked in. She was going there and I was yeah. hearing the name in conjunction. I'm pretty positive. She was going into her second season. Okay. Okay. Um, but, do you have uh, any so, idea how that first season went then? Oh yeah. She was phenomenal. She's a, yeah. she's a great passer. She's a great playmaker, runs the offense really well. Um, good shooter as well. I think, she still has a ton of time to grow into her frame. She's going to need to put on some more strength uh, to deal with some of the older players in, in college basketball. I mean, the thing with the women's side is they do play all four years. There's no one and dones uh, for the WNBA draft. So she does have that time to mature, uh, recover from the injury, play two more really solid seasons, and then be a, a really highly touted prospect going into the WNBA. So looking forward to seeing uh, her bounce back from this. It's ACLs, man. They are scary, and it is a long road to recovery. Okay. Um, so I was actually right. Her freshman year happened two years ago where she oh. was wow. the unanimous first-team All-American, became the first freshman to earn a mas major National Women's College Player of the Year award, 
winning all four she was eligible eligible for led UConn to the final four of the 2021 NCAA tournament and set program records for assists by a freshman and single game assists but then the reason we haven't heard too much about her in her sophomore season is she missed most of it with a uh, left knee injury though she still managed to lead her team to the national championship game and she has been ruled out for her junior season with the ACL injury so a huge miss there by me yeah little pat on the back for myself there and uh yeah that's a real shame well she'll still have one year at least uh when she gets back to to go out and and build on her freshman year you wonder if the if the sophomore injuries are connected to this one at all you'd think so the knee and acl um, i'm not a kinesiology major but those <laughs> sound pretty nearby oh yeah they're the same same spot same you spot. mentioned the growing into the frame at like 511 um if she's still got like developing yeah yeah very likely, very likely that that's where we saw some of the injuries. Still only 20 years of age and, and a long and prosperous career ahead. We'll move to the men's side here. A uh, couple of videos I saw over the last couple of days. Scotty Barnes clapping in the face of James Harden, locking him up in, in gym runs. And obviously it's nowhere near what an NBA setting looks like. But I know Scotty is a guy that, has put in the work this off season and I cannot be more excited to see what he does in year two, building on a rookie of the year campaign. Uh, and just seeing videos like that, he's got that fire and intensity, uh, no matter where the game is being played to pick up dudes and, uh, always wants to be best on the course and win those defensive matchups. And how do you not love a guy who wants to win those defensive matchups? Uh, cause they are, becoming fewer and further between in the modern NBA. Maybe he was one of those guys in high school who hated watching Harden do what he did on those Rockets team because he seems to especially get a spring in his step on him, eh? Like going back yeah. to the uh, first round as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to seeing those two duel it out four times this season uh, and then maybe extra in the playoffs. Who knows? Another bit of... Uh, Rivalry brewing came from two, two, uh, two friends, two uh, young friends, like knew each other, was growing up, childhood friends, DeJounte Murray and Paolo Bancaro. And uh, they got into it at the Zeke End basketball event over the weekend. Uh, Paolo, I guess, rubbed DeJounte the wrong way with the swagger he was bringing to the court as a newly minted first overall pick. DeJounte welcomed him to the league with quite the highlight, the pump fake to the pass fake to the off the glass alley-oop to himself, uh, and then stared down Paolo and whipped the ball <laughs> off the wall uh, in celebration there. Um, seems like both of them getting in it into it afterwards on social media trading and, and Murray sounding off on how much Bancaro has changed as a person and Bancaro sounding off on uh DeJounte just going absolutely crazy and and DeJounte has been in some headlines this summer just going a little wild and playing with some fire uh in in the various pro-am pickup leagues and I'm I'm interested to see if he's going to bring that same intensity to Atlanta and and what Paolo's going to do in turn as a first year because it seems like 
DeJounte trying to ha- give him his welcome to the league moment. But I know Bancaro had a great weekend uh, at that game, and I'm sure he's going to be an absolute bucket getter uh, come NBA season start time. Yeah, I haven't really been able to keep up with all the back and forth between these two on social media. Um, this event has also spurred a lot of people to find other clips of DeJounte in the Pro-Am where he does a lot of like bouncing the ball on guys' heads like while yeah. he's um, triple threading them and like taking those jab steps. Um, yeah, maybe I, I, don't, I don't know what the correct intensity for uh, these types of summer leagues are, but I would also think it varies depending on who you're playing and uh, just all those clips. It's kind of hard not to side with Paulo a little on this one for me. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure it'll draw more headlines the next, the first time the Hawks and Magic play. Yep. yep. This is the stuff you talk about in August. The other stuff we talk about in August, of course, naturally, is Kevin Durant. 100%. Uh, an article in The Athletic coming out this weekend, though. I don't know if you saw the headlines, the meat of it. Uh, the gist was that Kevin Durant meets with Nets owner, something to sigh. Uh, a bit of mixed signals the first and foremost it's like he reiterated that he wants out of this franchise he doesn't see a clear um, path to winning doesn't have confidence in the direction it's heading Uh, later somewhere along the line comes that uh, the owner has to pick between himself Kevin Durant or Sean Marks and Steve Nash. Uh, Steve Nash, of course, being the coach that Kevin Durant specifically requested the Nets go out and get, and Sean Marks being the GM who made that happen, along with pretty much literally anything and everything else Kevin Durant wanted to happen. Um, So I think my favorite one um, response to this was something along the lines of uh, Katie trying to so desperate to prove he can drive the bus that he's trying to throw anyone he can under it and run them over just to get some miles going on it. I don't know if you saw that, uh, the comments from, uh, Charles. No, I did not see those. Oh, (laughs) he just, he said like, he was looking back on, uh, the time with the warriors and he was looking and how the nets have gone. He was like, this guy can't be a bus driver. Uh, he's just a bus rider. And, uh, Kevin didn't really like that but it it just I mean it's interesting here we are in August uh Durant made the trade request before July started I believe if not at the very beginning of July um so this situation has dragged on enough that another meeting has had to happen uh with the first of Kevin Durant's four-year contracts um, extension starting this season we're in the rare situation where it's not if you don't trade me this year or next year I'm just going to walk and you lose my value from nothing um, also with the window Durant has left on the wrong side of 30 you've got to think he if he cares about his legacy at all he needs to make every season count at this point and really does need to play this season um so it's a question. It's a game of chicken. Uh, who's going to blink first? The Nets have said 
what if it wasn't for all the shenanigans and the damage he's done to this Nets team, a deservedly sky-high price um, with said damages done, I, I think any GM owner has to consider if they want to take that risk and bring that onto their team and question how much that detracts from the value that his playing would otherwise bring. And uh, yeah, it, it's just a really... I guess going back to the, like what people keep saying is this is really going to hurt players in the next collective bargaining agreement. Uh, or it's really going to shape how that goes. But this also does kind of give the owner an out if he really wants Kevin Durant to stay. Um, the other common wisdom I'm hearing is it makes sense to get rid of Nash, this uh, novice head coach, uh, but Marx has done a really good job um, working with what he's had. And this Nets roster does have deep playoff run potential right now, and he is largely responsible for that. So if you're the owner and you have to look at the results, uh, these two options have brought you in recent times it's really hard to justify choosing Durant also throwing a bit of defensive Nash. I, I remember seeing some headline that he had he, like, he didn't, he had like 40 different starting lineups in the first like 60 games of this past NBA season. And the season before that, his team was three inches away from the NBA finals. Um, so sometimes you just move off a coach. He's clearly had some new coach struggles, um, but got to defend our Canadian boy a little, and um, mm. you really can't. I can't blame him too too much for this situation. Yeah, if I'm Josiah, I think I have my candidates that I want at least like feelers out on retainer to be able to pull in if if Katie actually goes through on his word, and who knows, he might pull in Kyrie with him to do the uh, the holdout. Um, but then on the other side it does give you leverage in trade negotiations. Because if a team is saying, well, your player is not going to play for you, just like it was with Ben Simmons, uh, you can say, well, he will play for me if I do this, and I'm willing to do that. So you're no longer in that tougher position of having to make a deal. You still have an out. And so I could see this leading to either a large trade package deal for KD or calling the bluff uh, and, and kind of riding it out uh, Kevin needs to play basketball. He he said it time and time again. He loves to do it, and I don't know how long he can hold out. Uh, but if he does decide to do so, then you do have that ability to make a decision to bring in someone new. Um, yeah. Yeah, just the absurd situation again of the player having no faith in the direction that he built the team to go in and wanting out from it. Um, I'm just happy to reiterate it and throw in the slander in these dry months of August. Um, I can't do it too much. Got to save it for another couple of weeks. So in the meanwhile, we'll move on to the ATP world of tennis. We had two 500 level tournaments going on last week, one in Los Cabos, Mexico, and the other in Washington City. In Los Cabos, our Canadian Felix Ojealiasim makes it to the semifinals before losing to Cam Nori, who then goes up against Daniel Medvedev, world number one, and uh, the Russian comes away victorious. Nick Kyrgios in Washington walks away not just with the singles title, but also the doubles. Uh, so nice to see some of that 
um, the effort and dedication that we saw in Wimbledon um, paying some dividends and to see that that wasn't a one hit, uh, one and done. Uh, coming up this week in Montreal, as I'm in Toronto, of course, uh, we have the National Bank Open, our Canadian 1000 event, one of the older tournaments on the tour. And we have got a fantastic top eight and field for this draw. I'm really excited to see how it goes. We got Daniel Medvedev in the number one spot, Stefano Tsitsipas in excuse me, since he passes the number three because Carlos Alcaraz, the number two, Casper Rudd, the number four, Andre Rublev, the number five, Yannick Sinner, the number seven. Hope to see him and Alcaraz go at it again. Felix, the hometown kid at number six, and Hubert Herkaz at number eight. Uh, Denis Shapovalov also playing, really hoping to see being on Canadian soil, give our boy a kick. Maybe, just maybe, I'll finally get a solo pod out to talk about this one after it wraps up. Uh, some other names like Batista Agu, Andrew Murray, Taylor Fritz, uh, Jack Draper, um, among some of the names participating as well. So this should be a, this is the field you want to see at a 1000 level event. Uh, happy to see that ha take place on Canadian soil. Oh, we've got about five minutes left in the pod, so I'll hand it over to you here. Yeah, not going to take me too long, but uh, speaking of some Canadian content, a uh, couple of European football leagues getting underway, the Bundesliga and Ligue 1 uh, getting underway last weekend, and Jonathan David already in top form, getting ready for the World Cup now uh, just three months away. And he has two goals and an apple in the opener uh, for Lille. And just looking like an absolute stud that he is. So continuing to cheer on Jonathan David, uh, Alfonso Davies, and the rest of the Canadian crew as they gear up towards the World Cup. And we'll have more on them as we, we go through the fall months here. And then on the baseball side, the Toronto Blue Jays, Whit Merrifield, uh, their, their deadline acquisition star uh, outfielder, gets vaccinated uh so he is ready to play all of the games down the stretch and he actually comes in and makes an instant impact couple of uh multi-hit games over the weekend against minnesota and scores the game-winning run on sunday off of a questionable uh review decision by the umpires at home plate the new rule in baseball max i don't know if you were aware of this but you cannot block the path to the plate on a slide attempt anymore in the past, the uh, catchers would stand and get run over by players. They've removed that from the game. So the catcher can no longer be blocking the plate uh, for a player to slide into. And so does he stand beside the line and try and tag them as they go? Yes. Yeah. And you can actually, you can be in front of the plate as long as you like your legs are open for them to slide between. Okay. Uh, but is that the, a rule on bases as well or just at home plate? Uh, it is just home plate, I believe, because it's just less common on, on the base paths. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the catchers have the full gear on. Yeah. Uh, but this, is a bang, bang play, he kind of has to get in the way of the plate to catch the throw home. Uh, Merrifield slides into him, gets tagged out upon review deems safe due to the rule that 
he had nowhere to slide into. And the Jays get an important win as it feels like every single team in the wildcard race is smoking hot right now. Baltimore is in the thick of it. Tampa's in the thick of it. Seattle, Minnesota, all there um, chugging along. So a big win for the Blue Jays to get. And they are in Baltimore this week for a really fun and important series. So looking forward to following their progress here down the home stretch. Alrighty. Well, way to get through those bits in just under three minutes, giving us another one or two to wrap up. Uh, looking forward to Scotland, buddy. Absolutely. Uh, just started packing yesterday. I've got a list. We've got our itinerary hitting up all the the best spots. Um, really looking forward to it. I got to make sure I got my rain jacket. Going to make sure I get an acquired taste for scotch in the next five days. No, I think that happens once you set foot on the soil. Deal, deal. That's how it went and for my dad anyway. Very nice, very nice. Uh, any, yeah, lots of photos will be taken. Lots of dances will be done. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. It's now been almost a year since my last true vacation week off. I'm feeling a little burnt out. Mostly that's just because of my extracurricular activities on weekends. But uh, it will be nice to have two full weeks, longest trip I've ever been on, to really uh, take in nature and not have to worry about doing anything. Yeah, excited for you, buddy. Uh, while you're over there in the UK, if you can see the band known as Architects, I would highly <laughs> recommend it, as I won't be. They just canceled their North American tour, which I've been no. waiting for for like a year and a half. Um, so on that devastating note... <laughs> Sports Next Door, signing out. See ya. <laughs>